Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Magnify you as God. You are not just another man. You're not a politician. You're not somebody who's just in charge. You are God. You are the creator of all. Father, we are here only because of you. Every cell and every molecule exists because you breathed it into being. And we come, praise God, we come and we allow you to do what you want done. And we allow the Holy Ghost to teach and impart. And we know if if he doesn't teach, then no teaching gets done. And so we thank you right now. We come with ears that are open, and we come with eyes that are open, and we come with hearts that are softened, and we come ready to change. And we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time together. We, we just, Father God, we, we receive by faith everything that you have for today. You saw this day before the foundations of the world. You saw every one of us. You knew exactly where we would be, and you designed today. And so we showed up on purpose today. And we receive on purpose today. And we declare right now that we leave different than we came. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, he's good. Um, if you would, let's turn over to uh, Acts chapter 1. And uh, in verse... Um, uh, we're going to start in verse 4. And this is, this is after Jesus, of course, has been with the disciples for 40 days after the resurrection. He's been teaching them. Uh, in his glorified body uh, uh, after he rose from the dead and, um, and he's about to, to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And in verse 4, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says he, it says, uh, which says you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Now, it says, when they were come together, uh, verse 6, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So he asked, they asked him a question, and they're like, is this when you're going to overthrow Rome? Because they're under the power of Rome right now, and Rome is in charge of Israel. And they're like, are you going to do that now? And um, that, Jesus didn't even address that, does he? He goes, uh, verse 7. He says to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His own power. But you, verse 8, But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, it says, and in, in, all, in Samaria and to all, all the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, um, so here he is, he says, but he goes, don't worry about Rome. Don't worry about what you think the problem is right now. How, does this sound familiar that people want to be relieved of governmental issues? I don't know if that sounds familiar to you or not, but it is to me, right? <laughs> we're, we're like, God, when is something going to change? You know what I'm saying? When is this going to stop? When is the nonsense going to end? You know what I'm talking about? You know, and, and they're going, hey, God, they're, they're like, Jesus, are you going to actually deal with Rome right now? Are you going to deal with, with, they had a perception that the problem was Rome. They had a perception that if Rome would change, everything in their life would change. If Rome would just be taken out of the way and Israel could run themselves, everything would be fine. 
That was their perception. And they really thought that Jesus was going to come to do that. They, thrilled, they really thought that was going to happen. And yet, Jesus goes, hey, this is not for you to know what's going to happen with Rome. It's, it doesn't, don't worry about all that. He goes, what your issue is, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes, but you will receive power from God Almighty. Because guess what? God Almighty is not concerned with Rome. God Almighty is not concerned with who sits in a political office. Because God didn't get voted in and he's not getting voted out. He's God. Right? And so if he is actually the one flowing through us, then we are separated from the political system. Praise God. And from any other system that we might think is, 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 is causing us a hindrance in our life. But now, so here he goes on. And so here he is. He says, listen, he goes, here's what's going to happen. Verse 8. You will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we know that word. You know, if you, if, I'm sure you guys have, have had studied this out. But that word power is the dunamis power of God. comes from the word that we get dynamite from. Dynamite is not a passive ingredient. It's, in other words, you don't, you don't use dynamite to do small things. Right? You don't be like, well, I've got a splinter in my finger. Get me some dynamite. That would be the wrong tool. Dynamite does big things, right? Dynamite changes things dramatically very quickly. And he goes, you're going to receive dunamis power. You're going to receive dynamite power. You're going to receive the power of God himself. You're going to receive the power that is not in line to do small things but big things. Praise God. And so... Here he, he, he tells him, hey, this is, this is what I told about. I, I told you this before I even left. I told, I told you you were going to be receiving power. And so here they are. They, uh, <laughs> their, their perception is still kind of wonky. But, um, but Jesus is like, don't worry about that. Let's just deal with the power issue. Now, um, let me give uh, if you can give my, my uh, I brought my drill. It's hung up on the chair there. There you go. Okay, cool. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I can use a bottle. Thank you. Yeah. I got some tools. I like to use visuals if I can. Now, now, Hal, we, we know what this is, right? Okay, it's a drill. And I put a nice big beefy bit in there just to give it a little bit more dramatic. You know. uh, now, the thing is, though, this drill is designed to do something, right? This drill, I actually have a little block of wood in here, too. Bam. Okay. This drill is designed to have a relationship with this wood. Right? It's designed that way. It literally is only designed to have a relationship with this wood to, to basically make holes in the wood, or if you have a, a driver bit in there, you can put a screw in it or whatever. But... You understand, this drill is designed to have a certain relationship with this wood. Okay? Yeah, glory to God. Now, now, now here's the thing. If, if, if I lived in the 12th century and somebody came up to me and said, what is this? Would I have any idea what this is? I could, they, they could even tell me it's a tool. And I'd be like, okay, it's a tool. I would have no idea what this is, right? And the reason is because I wouldn't have a relationship with power. If I don't have a relationship with power, I can't define this drill. If I don't know what power is, I can't define this drill. 
Because, I, because if I have no definition of power, the drill, any, any possible definition I could make up of this drill would be wrong. Because I wouldn't know what power was. Does that make sense? Sure. So, so if somebody would say, hey, I'm giving you a drill. And you know, I'm living in the 12th century. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate this drill. I have no idea what it is. And they'd be like, well, it's a tool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for my drill. I'm very, very thankful for my drill. Still don't know what it is because I have no understanding of power. Do you understand? This drill was designed to actually have power in it. Is that right? It can't be defined without power. You cannot be defined without power. You can't be defined without it. God designed you to have power in you, and if you're trying to define yourself without power, you're wrong. Right? If we're defining ourselves without the power of God, we're wrong. Because we're designed to have power. And without that power, the definition is wrong. And so this is why the disciples are like, are you going to deal with Rome? Jesus like, you don't get it yet. You need to understand you are a power people. You only function properly with power. That's the only way you will function properly. If you don't have power, you cannot function by design. So even if I say, oh, this is a tool, and I'd look at it and I didn't know what power was, I would take this and I would be like, okay, and you're like, oh, it's supposed to help you do things with wood. Okay. Okay. And I'd be just... You know, I might take a nail and try, you know, you might try to do stuff, but you're going to wear yourself out. And if you have no context of power, you could even be thinking you're doing the right thing. And thinking, wow, thank you for my drill. It's made life so much easier. Do you understand? This is supposed to be easy and light, right? Isn't it? Jesus said, come learn of me. This is supposed to be easy and light. It's not supposed to be hard and arduous. It's not supposed to be a life without fun. This should be so much fun. It should be righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? Nobody in heaven right now is having a hard time. And it's not because they're in heaven. It's because they understand power. They have the same Holy Ghost we have. They have the same blood we have. They have the same name we have. They have the same word we have. You understand? There's only one family in heaven and earth. Some of us are there and some of us are here, but there's no difference in the family. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> and Jesus said, hey, just as I'm not of the world, you're not of the world. Amen. Glory to God. Now, that means my power doesn't come from this earth. It comes from heaven itself. Yes. Now, um, I love this because in, in the Old Testament now, um, in the Old Testament, they had, they, they, they had encountered the power of God from time to time. Isn't that right? There's some good miracles going on in the Old Testament. The power of God showed up. But they really only had a couple, I guess, ways to relate to the power of God in the Old Testament. And number one, they would fear the power of God. Because <laughs> he would come down and they would run away. Right? That started in Genesis chapter 3, didn't it? When sin entered the earth, God shows up, man runs away. And it happened like that over and over again. He would show up, they would run away. He even told them how to build the tabernacle, right, to Moses. They did it perfectly. And then what happened? The glory came. And then what happened? They ran away. Because they couldn't stand in the presence of God. 
They did the same thing with the, with the temple, right? With Solomon's temple. They built it perfectly. The glory came. Everybody left. He comes down on the mountain. He, he, he's speaking to all the people. And they plug their ears and they say, Moses, you go talk to God for us because if we hear any more, we're going to die. He shows up, they run away. Was that God's intent? No. That was just the fact that man felt separated from God because of sin. And so they felt like they had to run away. The other relationship that man had with the power of God in the Old Testament was if they didn't run away, they would just expect the power of God to rescue them. And he did over and over again, didn't he? The power of God would come and he would rescue them. So Jehoshaphat would cry out because armies were surrounding them. And what happens? The power of God comes and rescues them, right? Uh, we see it over Daniel in the lion's dead. The power of God rescues him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in the fiery furnace. Daniel, the power of God comes and rescues them. Do you see this? There's either running away or being rescued by God. The problem is, is that the disciples, they come in from a lineage of that 2,000 years, 3,000 years, 4,000 years of that relationship, and they still think they have the same relationship with the power of God. So the highest relationship they had was one of rescue. They weren't going to run away, but they're just going to be rescued. I mean, there was even times, you know, even in, in uh, uh, remember when, when uh, in Mark chapter 4, in verse, uh, uh, well, in verse 41, Mark chapter 4, verse 41, um, this is when Jesus stands up and he, and he speaks and he calms the winds and the waves. You guys remember that account? Now, um, hey, could you pull that up, Mark 4, 41? Okay, she's on it. Look at that. Okay, um, Mark 4, 41. I didn't give her a lot of these. So, and now, here, this was their response when he comes the winds and the waves. What was their response? And they what? They feared exceedingly. That means, now, what was happening prior to this was they, they were afraid because the boat was sinking, right? Because the winds and the waves. They were afraid. They thought they were going to die. Jesus stands up, calms the winds and the waves, and what is their response? They fear exceedingly. They're more afraid now than they were when they thought they were going to die. They're more afraid because the power showed up. Right? Is that right? And it says, they said to one another, what manner of man is this? Now, before this happened, before they got on the boat that day, think about this. Before they got on the boat that day, if somebody would have come up and asked them, do you believe that God can manipulate water? What would they have said? That's not true. They would have said yes. They've seen it, right? They, they know the stories of the Red Sea, right? Isn't that true? They would have said, if you, if you would have said, can God manipulate water? They would have said, yes, our Moses. He lifted up a rod, and God parted the waves in a mighty hand. And Joshua, he put down his, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. And what happened with the Jordan? It stacked up, and all the children of Israel. They, they had a history of acknowledging God manipulating water. Isn't that right? So they would have acknowledged it. They would have preached it. They would have got fired up about it. But when they came face to face with it, it freaked them out. Because they had mental acknowledgement of it, but not actually faith. Do you see where we are sometimes? Well, we have acknowledgement of it, but we don't have a relationship with it. You see? We have to engage with the power of God. Not just have an acknowledgement of the power of God. We have to engage with the power of God. Now, I love this because if you, if you, 
If you go too long without experiencing the actual power of God, of too many circumstances, too many experiences, you know, generationally as time goes by, then what happens is we form, we form beliefs or perceptions or doctrines about the power of God or they're wrong. Because we went so long without actually seeing it. And so we, we, we come up with ideas that say, well, the power of God only comes on special occasions. Or the power of God is only here to rescue me when I'm actually in dire straits. Or I'm only supposed to observe the power of God, but not be a part of the power of God. Or somebody else can walk in the power of God. Somebody else can lay hands on the sick. Somebody else can raise the dead. Somebody else can speak to the sun and have it stand still. Somebody else... You understand? What happens is when we go so long without actually experiencing it in our life, we form doctrines in our minds that tell us that we can't engage with it at a higher level. None of that's accurate. We have to challenge those things. We have to challenge and say, you know, we'll say things like, well, you know, um, okay, it's, it's like, okay, once again, go back to my drill. This drill was designed to have power, Right? It cannot function as a drill without power. It's impossible. You cannot function as a child of God without power. It's impossible. It's impossible. Now the thing is that this drill, when it was sitting on the shelf at Home Depot, it came out of the, 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 the factory, Ryobi, wherever that is, probably overseas somewhere, I don't know. But anyway, it came, it came out of the factory and when it came out of the factory, it was designed for power. Is that right? Nothing needed to be added to it for it to actually operate in power. It was designed for it when it came out of the factory. When you came into the earth, you're designed for power. When you came out of the factory, you're designed for it. See, God created you. God, see, if... If we don't understand the proper relationship we have with power, then how much we know about God isn't going to matter. Because we can know so much about God, but if we don't know who we are, then everything we know about God separates us from Him. Until we know that we're made His likeness and His image, everything we know about God makes Him bigger than me. Now, He is bigger than me, but I'm made in His likeness and His image. He never intended there to be separation from Him and me. He intended... The more I know about God, the more I know about me. Because I'm in His likeness, His image. Right? Oh, goodness, we've got to get this. <laughs> we've got to get this. Because we can exalt God, we can magnify God, but if we don't understand us, then every time I magnify Him, He's farther away from me than, I, than it was before. But if I magnify Him knowing my relationship with Him, then when I magnify Him, I'm also lifting me up into that position. Because when I know how big he is, I know what I'm designed to walk in. Praise God. See, this is an engagement with the power. We have to challenge what our minds are currently thinking. Jesus, Jesus when he was on the earth for three and a half years, um, when he was on the earth for three and a half years, he did a lot of signs and wonders and miracles, but he wasn't doing those things to show off. He wasn't, he wasn't doing those things to show what God could do. He was doing those things to show what we could do. That's why he was always questioning. He was like, why are you so afraid? Why? You know, even when he, remember, he curses the fig tree in Mark chapter 11. And they're like, hey, the fig tree you cursed. Look, it's actually withered away. Amazing. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah. Why do you just have the faith of God? 
If you say to anything, it'll obey you. You see what he's saying? He's going, this isn't a me thing. This is an us thing. He wasn't showing off, he was showing us. He wasn't showing what he could do, he was showing what we could do. And that's why he said, you're going to do greater works than me. But you see, we have to identify with these things. We have to learn to take, get, a, get an engaged relationship with the power of God, or else, we are, or, or else we're always waiting for God to rescue us. Amen. And so every time, we hear, every time we hear a prophecy, man, there's so much prophetic words coming out right now. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the, the prophetic has been flowing for the last several years like never before. It's astounding. Yeah. The problem is, is that when we hear the prophecy, we think, man, I can't wait for that to happen. Waiting for God to rescue us again. He is not going to rescue us. He's inviting us. Remember when, when Peter, he sees Jesus walking on the water? They had never seen that before. No one had ever seen that before. And it's freaking them out, right? They thought they saw a ghost. If you read the Bible, right? It says they thought they saw a ghost. And, and they're freaking out. And Peter goes, Lord, if it be you, just say come. Now, I love Peter here. <laughs> Peter, he, he was at that point now where he's looking at Jesus going, hmm, if it's you, you're not showing off. You're not trying to prove who you are. You're trying to prove who I am. Because if it's you, wherever you are is where I'm designed to be. He had to challenge his relationship with water in that moment. He had been told his whole life, for generations before that, that the man's relationship with water is you need a boat to cross it. And suddenly Jesus is saying, you're wrong. Everything you've ever heard is wrong about water. Everything you've ever heard about yourself is wrong when it comes to water. And, Jesus, and Peter's going, everybody else is freaking out. So is Peter. But Peter's like, but I know one thing. If that's you, I'm supposed to be there. If that's you, I can do what you can do. Ah, this is huge. <laughs> because Jesus wasn't showing what he could do. He's showing what we can do. He was trying to get us to engage at a higher level with our identity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're just, it's like, um, uh, we're just talking, uh, uh, Kelly, I just met you, in, what was your wife's name? I'm sorry. Tina. Tina, I just met you last night, right? And we were talking about your grandbaby. And uh, one of them starting to crawl, right? And he's starting to get around. Now, the grandbaby is, is like, what, what's the next step after crawling? Walking, right? Now, the thing is, that, that when a child, when a baby gets up and crawls, walks, whatever, has that baby ever crawled before, before it crawls? No. Has it ever walked before, before it walks? No. Just because it's never done it doesn't mean it's not designed to do it. Right? God actually created us this way, that he actually created us as babies who's never done anything, but we have the DNA to do everything. Right? So he designed us to watch infants crawl, then walk, then run, then do all these things. And we've never done it before, but we're actually not working off experience. We're working off DNA. Uh, yeah, we're not working off experience. We're putting a demand on our DNA. Do you get this here? We've got to stop working off experience and start putting a demand on DNA. And this is what Jesus, he's like, listen, disciples, we're, we need to activate our DNA. We need to actually get a hold of something here. 
Stop asking God to rescue you and realize that you carry the power of God in you. Oh, glory to God. We are not a victim. We cannot be a victim and be a child of God at the same time. Oh, glory to God. Now, um, now understand this, that power to this drill is not a special favor. So this drill should not think of, of power as something special. It's, it's required. It's required based on design. Power to this drill is not a special favor. It is required by design. I want you to get this. <laughs> power to you and I is not a special favor from God. It's required by design. He designed us to require power. Therefore, we should stop looking at His power as a special favor. Stop looking at it as something that only comes once in a while when we get enough goosebumps and it finally... No, this is, this is required by design. And we need to ask accordingly. And we need to go to God accordingly. We need to put... We, well, I'm not putting a demand on God. I'm putting a demand on my DNA. It has power in it. If I am a child of God, my DNA has power in it, right? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Infinitely greater. And I've got to put a demand on that power. Praise God. And even if I've never done it before, it doesn't mean I can't do it. It doesn't mean I wasn't designed to do it. Right? I'm designed to walk on water. I'm designed to raise the dead. I'm designed to do greater works than Jesus. I'm designed that way. And anything less is not acceptable. And so, so like I said, we have to understand this drill by design is, is, it, it requires power. Our life requires it. Your marriage requires it. Your children require it. Your relationships require it. Praise God. Yeah, come on now. Uh, these disciples, who were they? Here they are, Acts chapter 1. They are, I love the disciples, because they are, they're, they are the most spiritually minded people on the planet. Isn't that right? They're the disciples called by God. They had had three and a half years of teaching by Jesus. You can't get a better Bible school than that, right? They're walking with him. They're talking with him every day. He's imparting to them only what the Father says and does. They're, they actually were sent out two by two, you know, healing the sick, raising the... They were doing it, right? They were doing it all. They were sold out. They literally gave up everything to follow him, didn't they? Everything. They literally gave, so they, you couldn't get more sold out than they were. They were, they, they gave up their careers, they gave up their place in, in, in society, they were thought of as heretics, they were thought of as crazy people. Imagine having that conversation, if you're J James and John, or Peter, or any of them, and you're like, you go home that day after Jesus calls you, and you're like, yeah, I quit my job today. How do you have that conversation? Yeah, yeah, I just walked out on the family business today. And, and your wife's like, and what are you going to do? Follow this carpenter around. That's the plan. You understand? Nobody knew that he was the Messiah yet. He's just a dude walking around. Right? And, and he's just a dude. He doesn't have a giant sign that says, Messiah, follow me. You know? He's just like, hey, come follow me. They're like, okay. 
And they got to go home and tell their wives, yeah, I just quit my job. <laughs> I gave up everything, and I'm going to go walk, walk around with this carpenter. That's what we're doing. And they're like, yeah, and what's a carpenter building? No, no, he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> we're just... That's a conversation that nobody talks about, right? I mean, this is like that. But understand, they sold out to follow Jesus. They love God. They, they, they are, they're yielded to the call of God on their life. They're doing these things. And they've been following for three and a half years. They went through so much in three and a half years. And they got to the point where they knew he was the Messiah. They knew he was the promise. They knew he was the one. I mean, could you imagine just their life for three and a half years and then... He gets hung on a cross. And they have no answers. They've got nothing. Imagine how much hurt and pain they went through. Feeling forsaken. Feeling betrayed. Do you understand? These are real people with real emotions. They're like, man, we, we gave up everything and here we have no answers. He's hanging on a cross and his own mom who had to watch him get, get beat beyond recognition and then tortured and killed. I mean, imagine the pain and the hurt. These are, this is real, right? This is real emotions. And they're standing there for three days. He's in the grave. They don't know what's happening. They're like, we have nothing. We gave up everything to follow him, and now he's gone. We don't have a, the next step. We don't have any direction. We don't have any guidance. All we have is hurt and pain and confusion. All we have is betrayal. We feel forsaken. They still love God. I want you to see who these disciples are. Can you love God and still feel hurt? Can you love God and feel forsaken? Can you love God? Can you be sold out and still feel betrayed? Can you love God and still and not have a clue as to what your next step is? Right? You ever been there before? Yeah. This is the disciples. They're standing there, and they're hurt, and they're betrayed. And yet Jesus, he raises from the dead, but that doesn't magically cleanse them of all the residue of the hurt and the pain. You understand what residue means? You, know, you ever been there? We have residue of stuff still lingering from things you don't understand. Lingering from questions that you don't have answered yet. Jesus never once even addresses the, 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 the issue. He just teaches him for 40 days. <laughs> and now here he is at the end of it. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave now. And then they, being the most spiritual people on the planet, say, yeah, we got a question. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? <laughs> Wrong question. <laughs> they don't have a stinking clue as to what's going on. Now, is it possible that Jesus, he already paid the price, he defeated the devil, he, he, he took the keys of death and hell, he spoiled principalities and powers, right? We know he did all this already, right? His blood is at the mercy seat, he has been glorified by the Father, the, 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 the redemption plan is complete, and his disciples still don't have a clue. Is that still possible today? Uh-huh. I'm a good qualification for that, right? It's like, hey, you know what? I am qualified to walk with Jesus because sometimes I don't have a clue. But understand, they're, they're, they are asking the wrong questions. Their perceptions of what his mission was on the earth is still totally wrong, even though it's been completed. Their thought process is still wrong, even though they've been taught by him for three and a half years. Their perception is still wrong, even though he's standing right there in their midst in a glorified body. Their perception is still wrong. 
I want you to see this. Apparently, if teaching, if teaching well enough would have fixed their thoughts, they would have had the right thoughts right now. Do you see that? Is Jesus a good teacher? He's the best. Can't get any higher. The highest teaching in all the universe could not change their thought process. Isn't that interesting? See, we don't think about it. This is it's true, right? Otherwise, they would have been fixed. Can't get better teaching than this. The presence of Jesus himself in the glorified body didn't change their thought process. Is that right? A lot of times we're praying for the wrong things. We're still praying for the presence of God. It didn't fix anything. I'm not saying it's not valuable. I'm just saying it didn't fix their thought process. You know, you can be in the presence of God and have Him totally encounter you and you walk away with still the wrong thoughts. Because you woke up the next day and you're like, hey, I'm still dealing with something here, you know? <laughs> you ever been there? You know, it's like I've been on the floor with the Holy Spirit and then I woke up and the next day I'm like, huh, wait a minute. I still think stupid. But, uh, but understand, it's, it, many times we're praying for the things that didn't fix them. We're praying for the very things that didn't even fix it. Jesus, his response was not, here, let me give you some more literature. Let me give you some more teaching. Let me... No, he didn't do that. He goes, there's only one answer to this. They just said this, one of the stupidest questions they could ask. And he's like, no, there's only one answer to this. You need to be endued with power from on high. That's the answer here. Amen. He goes, your engagement with power has to change. He goes, it's going to answer everything. But now, it's not just a one-time event, is it? Right? And now, over in... Okay, I love this because here we see... I want you to see who the disciples were. They weren't just the ones who started the church, which they were. They weren't just the ones who pioneered the things that, of the New Testament, which they did. But they were the ones who were sold out, loved God. I mean, they, they, they gave their whole life for God. But they were still hurt, forsaken, broken, betrayed, confused, with wrong thoughts. And then they changed the world. They were the pioneers of that. They were the pioneers of the people who love God but are still betrayed. The ones who love God but still feel hurt. The ones who love God but still have the wrong thoughts. And they stepped past that and they literally opened up a door for all of us who fit into that category somewhere. And they opened up a door and pioneered the way out of that to change the world. Praise God. Glory to God. And they weren't waiting for God to rescue them anymore. And we can see this over in Acts chapter 4. Man, are we getting a hold of this? Is this okay? Yeah. Now, one of the things we have to understand is that the disciples, just like us, they, had, they were already born again. Jesus in John chapter 20 breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. They were already born again. They already had the new birth on the inside of them. So they were children of God at this point in time. But they hadn't been baptized with the Holy Spirit yet. And, uh, and so he's like, hey, you know what? Here's something that has to happen. You're going to have to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to do that. And honestly, in my life, I remember I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was, I was 15 years old when I got born again. And uh, I got born again in November of 1985. And then in March, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and honestly, you know, I've heard a lot of people's testimonies about getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm very thankful. I love to hear testimonies. I love to hear how God moved in people's lives. And, uh, and I, I know people who literally, they said, oh yeah, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I felt electricity going from this hand all the way through my body. And I did. I'm like, I didn't feel anything. 
good for you, but I felt nothing. You know, I literally just prayed a prayer and believed God and just believed. I didn't feel a thing, you know, and I'm, I'm thankful for when people feel stuff. But, and I like to feel, I like to feel stuff all the time. But you know what? Most of the time, God doesn't do it that way with me. I don't know about you, but most of the time, I don't feel a whole lot. He just expects me to believe him. Amen. That's all. And I'm thankful for that because I'm not looking for a feeling anymore. Amen. I just believe God Amen. and things change. Right? But now, understand that, that uh, I remember, though, I, I'd be reading the Bible. I got saved at 15. I'd be reading the Bible. I mean, I just, I, you know, just reading the Word. And I remember sitting there going, Lord, I'm reading your Word, but honestly, I don't understand most of it. I'm 15. I'm just I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading all the way through the New Testament. doing it. And Lord, I, I love your Word, and I love you, but I honestly don't, I don't get it. I'll still keep reading, but I'm not understanding most of this. And then... Uh, one day, I'm sitting there reading, and reading the same, same parables and different things that I've read so many times before, and suddenly, I knew exactly what it was saying. I knew exactly what it was saying. And I literally, I'm reading it, and I stopped. I go, wait a minute. I know what this is saying. I literally, it shocked me. And I was like, Lord, why do I know what this is saying right now? And <laughs> I, don't, I, you know, this, I don't know what, and he goes, what happened last week? I go, I got filled with the Holy Ghost last week. That's what happened. Because he is the teacher. He is the guide. Praise God. It changed without me feeling anything. I didn't feel anything, but things changed. Right? Now, the thing is, though, I love this because the, 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 the disciples, they were, not, they were not broken. They were just not yet activated. We need to get this on, on the inside. We are not broken just because we feel certain things or just because we don't understand certain things. We just need to be activated. Okay, this drill right now is not doing any of that wood. It's not broken. Is there anything wrong with the drill? No. It's just not activated. Okay, I want to get that. <laughs> just because something's not happening doesn't mean you're not broken. You know, it doesn't mean you're broken. It means you're not activated. You don't need to be fixed. You need to be activated. Okay, quit waiting for God to fix you. Quit waiting for something to fix you. I know so many Christians I've talked to over the years, they feel broken. Something's wrong with me because I feel this way or because I think this way or because I haven't seen breakthrough in these certain areas or because whatever. And they love God. They love God. They, they, they're sold out for God, but they're not activated. That's the problem. Now, like I said, the, 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 the drill, here, it, it, this is battery-powered, of course, and so... Uh, so it requires two things. It requires power and it requires activation. Right? It requires two things to be effective, to actually operate by design. Two things. It requires power, right? And what else? Activation. Okay, so if I have power without activation, it will be as if I have no power. Okay? If I have power without activation, it will be as if I have no power. Is that right? The same effect of that wood. <laughs> that wood will be affected the same if I have power without activation. We have power. We have not yet been activating. We have to learn to activate things. Quit waiting for God to, to, to rescue us and fix something and activate something. Okay? Uh, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and in verse uh, 23. 
I just love this because when we begin to understand our relationship with power, we, we, we stop crying for, for rescue because our, the heart's cry is not to be rescued. The heart's cry is to be activated. That's our heart's cry. Because within that, within activation, is where we find purpose. It's where we find, we, 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 that's where our dreams get fulfilled. It's within activation, not within rescue. We are not refugees. A refugee is somebody who got delivered but has no resource. We are not refugees here on the earth. We are children of the Most High God. We are ambassadors of a kingdom. And Jesus said, you're, you're, we're literally supposed to have, allow heaven to invade the earth through us. Right? But it requires activation to do that. Yes. Amen. Now, here he goes. Um, <laughs> Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, now, this is when Peter and, 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 and uh, John, they, they, they'd healed the lame man. They, uh, uh, they, they caused a big stir because they heard the lame man. And then they were threatened um, you know, by the chief priests and the elders. And uh, here it says, and being let go, they went to their own company. They reported all the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. Let's keep going. It says, and when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice, so they began to pray. With God one accord, said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy, thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage, and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers gathered against uh, the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. For, okay, let's keep going. Verse 29. By stretching forth thine hand to heal... Uh, oh, verse 12, we skipped a verse. There we go. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Notice what he says here. The first thing they do is they get together and they begin to pray. They've just been threatened, told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they're like, Lord, they begin to magnify God first. That's the first thing we always do. You do not magnify the problem. You magnify God. You, you, you make God the biggest thing in your consciousness. You make God the biggest thing in your universe. You make God the biggest thing that there ever is because he deserves that. He is big. And if he's not the biggest, then something else is. He, they, they magnify God and then said, and now, verse 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto us thy servants that with all what? Boldness they may speak thy word. I love this, verse 30. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders would be, not, but be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. Verse 31. And when they, they prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now I love this, because here they were already filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. But of course we know in Ephesians 5 it says to be being filled. We can, this is something that we have to do. We have to charge it up. We have to actually access something. But notice this. They come to God and they're like, Lord, they're threatening us. And they didn't say, well, notice what they didn't say. They didn't say, Lord, um, shut the mouths of those who are threatening us. They didn't say that. They didn't say, Lord, strike them down with, with lightning. You know, we call lightning down on those threatening us. It wasn't about the threatenings. They said, Lord, there's only one thing that has to happen here. What's it say in verse 29? If you can go back to verse 29. It says, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto us thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. They realized that they needed to be activated. Do you see this? 
They're like, if something's going to change, it's not, God doesn't need to change. The enemy doesn't need to get any weaker. For us to be in authority, we need to change. There has to be more boldness. They knew that the power of God's word was more than enough to change the situation. They just had to have more boldness about it. I want you to get this. This is big. They realized, they were not saying, God, rescue us. See, they prayed a prayer here that their grandparents never prayed. They prayed a prayer that Jehoshaphat never prayed, that Moses never prayed, that David never prayed. They prayed a prayer that was new to the church. They prayed a prayer that was not about rescue, but about activation. You understand? They're like, no, we acknowledge that greater is he that's on the inside of us than he that's in the world. We just need to get him out bolder. That's all we need to do. We just need to activate something on the inside of us and quit waiting for God to do something when God's already done it all. Praise God. You see, what I love about this is that they were coming against, um, they had seen the cycles once again through Jehoshaphat and Moses and in all the judges with Gideon and Samson. They'd seen the cycles where the enemy would oppress and God would deliver, right? And so here, people are threatening them and they could have reverted back to that and said, oh, we know how this works. We know the cycle. The enemy, the enemy oppresses and God delivers. But they realized they had a different role now. Because in the days of Gideon, children of God were not on the earth. <laughs> in the days of Moses, children of God were not on the earth. You understand? The Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out yet. We need to act like he has. This is not the same cycle of oppression and deliverance. This is a cycle where people oppress and we speak with more boldness. This is a cycle where we realize if something's going to get done, it's going to get done because we activate the power of God on the inside of us. Amen. God does not need to deliver the ones he's already redeemed. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Am I redeemed or not? Are we delivered or not? Are we the head and not the tail or not? Are we more than conquerors or not? Well, then we just have to begin to speak that way boldly. You know, it's like this. Once again, when I don't know about you, but when I get a power tool and and I I actually learn how that power tool works. Now, you understand, I could read the manual of this drill and still not activate the drill. Is that right? You can read the whole Bible, still not activate it. You can memorize it. You can agree with the Bible, still not activate it. The the, the unrenewed mind, it it thinks that the highest engagement we have with the Word is agreement. It's not. It's submission and identity. Where we identify with the Word instead of agree with the Word. Okay, so now, understand, this is... this. I could read the manual and have it memorized and still not activate this thing. We need to understand. It takes something else. Now, when I, when I get a, a power tool and I learn how to use it, then suddenly I, I look at things different. Because I'm like, if this, like the first time I ever used a drill, I was like, okay, what else can I drill? <laughs> right? Because, hey, that's pretty easy. Now, I could sit there and drill this thing. Pretty, now I'm like, what else needs to be drilled? That's all I want to know. What, I remember when I got my first router several years ago, you know, used a router. I'm like, whoo, what else can be routered? Praise God, right? Because power makes things easy. Power makes things fun. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> power makes it fun. Where I'm like, hey, what else can I drill now? What else can I router now? Because now I have, I have a conscious awareness of, an, of availability of resource. 
That makes things fun and easy. So now I don't look at wood the same way anymore. <laughs> well, you see this. See, if I know I have this, I look at this differently. Uh, okay. If I'm still looking at the enemy the same way they did in the Old Testament, I don't know who I am. Because I don't know I have this. I don't know that I am this. I just need more boldness. I just, you know, here's the thing. The relationship to this drill and this wood is not passive. It's not passive at all. It's not like this drill goes, well, there needs to be a hole in that wood. Let me just go in like this. Yes. Please be a hole in that wood. <laughs> it's not going to do it. There has to be a very aggressive relationship between this and this. Right? It is not passive at all. And guess what? If I start drilling into that wood, and I know... I'm going to make a mess here. But anyway, and I know... That, it, that the design of this is to make a hole in this, but it's not going the way that I think it's supposed to be going, doesn't mean I throw this out. It means I press harder. Glory to God. Because I know the design of this. See, and this is what the disciples are going, give us boldness to preach your word. Because we know that your word is more than enough. We just need to press harder. That's all we need to do. We just need to get the word of God in us and begin to press harder. And say, this is not about making God do something. It's about activating the design on the inside of us. That's all it is. And it's not passive. Are we getting this? Is this okay? Okay. We need to, we need to get, get there here. But, um, but I just, like today, when I, when I was just praying out these things, we need to understand that we are, not, we are not here to engage the power of God as something that we are in awe of. It's something that's our identity. Okay? He never intended his, his power to be something that separates us, but to draw us into our own identity. So when we experience the power of God, it shouldn't be something that we have a memorial of. It should be something that we identify with. Because, I mean, I, I, I've experienced the power of God in a lot of different ways, and it's been like, glory to God. But I don't want to be like, you know, like, like Peter was. Hey, let's, let's set up memorials here, you know, just to memorialize this situation. I don't want a memorial in my heart. I want an activation in my life. Right? And there's nothing wrong with having a bookmark saying, I remember when God did this. But when he did that, it started me new. Something began there that's still going on. And if I need need to get, I mean, the disciples, they loved God, but they needed a fresh infilling. And they were like, Lord, give us boldness. And they were shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then they preached the Word of God with boldness. Praise God. I tell you, I don't know what, I don't know what the cycles in, in your life has been, but I know there's cycles in families, there's cycles in, in, in generational stuff, there's cycles in communities, there's cycles that try to threaten you and try to say, who dare, who do you think you are to stop this cycle? It's been going on for thousands of years. This cycle's always been this way, and you're not going to change it. So just shut up and sit down, right? That's the threatenings. The threatenings are saying, you don't have what it takes to change the cycle. Come on now. <laughs> the only reason I'm here is to change a cycle. You understand? The only reason this drill exists is to change the wood. That's the only reason why you're on the earth. You're not on the earth, but you're, the only reason is to let the kingdom come. That's why you're here. Not to watch the kingdom come, but to allow the kingdom to come. Right? The only reason we're here is because we carry the power of God. That's the only reason we're here is to release the power of God. I don't exist on this earth for anything else. 
So for something to say, you don't have the right to change the cycle, that's why I'm here. You're, you know, but I have to know that. I have to get bold about it. And I have to say, how much of heaven can I have in my life right now? Because the threatenings are trying to say I can only have this much. The threatenings are saying, I'll let you have what you have, but don't go any further than that. You can go and have a little bit of joy and a little bit of peace. You can go ahead. You'll be, you'll be fine in heaven, but for right now, you're just endure. Uh-uh, I'm not here to endure. <laughs> I understand. We are here to take ground. That's why we're here. And it is not, it is not hard to take ground when you're operating by the power of God. Because he doesn't, he doesn't even flinch with the enemy. When Jesus said the church, <laughs> he's going to build this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I remember, at that, I remember when I was a teenager going to church and uh, we'd have Thursday night prayer time and, uh, and, and we'd get together, we'd pray for different things. And almost every Thursday night, somebody would be praying that verse out and, and they were genuine, they were very sincere. And they'd be like, oh Lord, I just thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And, and, uh, and you know, they were very sincere. But I remember walking home from school one day and I'm walking by this little white picket fence. And, uh, and I'm just walking, and the Lord stops me. He goes, stop. And I just stopped. He goes, look at that. And there was a little white picket fence gate right there, the gate. And he goes, is that gate going to jump out and get you? No, it is not. He goes, what's that gate there? I go, that gate's there to keep me out. That gate is not an offensive situation. That gate is defensive. And he goes, then why do you keep pray- praying defensively? Somehow it says, the gates of hell will not, pre- will not prevail against the church. The gates aren't attacking us, we're attacking them. See, the gates are there to keep us out. The gates are not there attacking us. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church because the church is taking ground. Right? And man, when I saw that, I go, well, glory to God. I'm changing the way I pray because it's like, no, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church because they are there trying to keep us out. They are on the defense and we're on the offense. And, and this is, oh, we've got to get this. We've got to activate it. Amen? We need to wrap it up. Praise um, <laughs> God. But understand, we have got to press. And I'm going to pray and we're going to just, um, oh, glory to God. I'm just trying to, let's just pray. Just, just, let's, I, we'll see which way the Holy Spirit wants to flow right now. We may, I, I might pray for some people, I might not. We'll see which way the Holy Spirit wants to flow. But either way, we're going to pray. Let's go ahead and stand up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. Oh, glory to God. Yes. Father God, are we, are we sold out? Are we children of the Most High God? Yeah, let's lift up our voice. Praise God. Yes, yes, we are children of the Most High God. We are kings and priests on this earth. We're not going to be. We are kings and priests on this earth. Father, we are those who carry the anointing of the Almighty into every situation. And right now, we speak. Father, we speak. We allow more boldness to come out of us than ever before. We allow boldness to rise up on the inside of us. We allow, Father, our words to join with your power. Praise God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on now. Come on. Yeah, stir it up. Stir it up. Come on. What needs to change? What needs to change? What needs to change? What needs to change? Father, we are not asking, Father God, to be rescued. We're we're literally yielding to be activated. We're yielding to be activated. We're yielding our heart and our mouth to be activated right now. Praise God. 
Father God, we, we tap into the DNA that we have not yet experienced. We tap into the DNA that we are built for, that we are designed for. We are made in heavenly places. We are made in the secret place. We are designed, Father God, within your hands. And you sent us into the earth to change the things around us. Praise God. Glory to God. Yeah, come on now. Yeah, Father God, we thank you, Lord God. We don't look at, Father God, cycles the same way. We don't look at oppression the same way. Father God, this is not just another winter we're coming into that we, Father God, have to endure a winter season, Lord God. No, we are coming in and we are bringing life and light and glory and power, Father God, into this region and into the earth around us, praise God. I thank you, Lord God. It says in Romans chapter 8, Father, that, that the whole earth groans and it's waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. And so, Father, we choose. We choose to be activated. We choose, Father God. He's told you something. He's put something in your heart even years ago. He's prophesied things to you, not because he wanted to show you what would happen, but to show you who you are and what you're supposed to bring into the earth. Praise God. What is it? What needs to come out of your mouth? What have you, how have you seen your family? How have you seen your community? How have you seen your calling and gifting? How have you seen those things? Praise God. Even though, Father God, we may have been hurt, we may have been frustrated, we may have been forsaken, we may have been betrayed, we may have been confused, but Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that we can take this step that the apostles took. We can take this step and we can change the world. Praise God. Father, we worship you. Glory to God. We magnify your name. We magnify your name. We magnify your name. Hallelujah. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Yeah. I'm going to just pray a corporate prayer. That's just the way I'm feeling like I'm led to do right now. I'm going to pray a corporate prayer over us. Ah. And if you've got things, yeah, I'm not talking about that you need to be rescued from. I'm talking about things that need to be activated. If you got things, <laughs> I'm going to tell you this right now, frustration comes because we know we're supposed to be walking in something different. If you're frustrated about something, it's because there's something else that needs to be activated. If there's something that's discouraging you, it's because you know you're supposed to be walking in limitlessness. Whew, praise God. Come on now. We are designed as children of the Most High God on this earth. So if you've got something, I don't care what it is, if there's something you need to speak over your family, over your finances, over your body, over, over your gifts and callings, over your influence at, at, within your community, if there's something, and I, God is saying this right now, dare to look bigger. Dare to dream higher. Dare to imagine what God, the Almighty, can do. Dare to imagine what His will is in that situation. Because it's nothing less than resurrection power. He already proved what His design is, and it's resurrection power. He already proved what His design is, and that is from death unto life. He already proved what His design is when He rose Christ from the dead. And He raised you up with Him and made you to sit with Him in heavenly places. Praise God. So, Father, right now, we lift up our hands, Father God. And just as it was in Acts chapter 4, Father, just as it was, Lord God, we thank you. We acknowledge that we have a place in our world that is designed to change things. Father God, we don't need to be rescued. We just simply need to be activated. That's all. Whew, come on now. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We're not waiting for a feeling. Lord God, we're just yielding to the activation. 
And so right now, Father, I, right now, just, Father God, by proxy, I just lift up this room to you. Father, those watching online, Father God, you know, you know who would be here. You know who would be watching. You already knew before the foundations of the earth. Father God, you know what needs to be imparted here. And so we allow you, Father God, we allow you, Father God, to activate us at a higher level. And we pray for boldness that we might speak your word, praise God, that we might speak the word of God Almighty with such boldness, Lord God, that it changes everything around us. Glory to God. And right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I break off every spirit of darkness and oppression and every spirit of bondage that's trying to tell you that you can't do it. Everything that says, I don't know how to do that, well, join the club. Because this is not about knowing, this is about doing, praise God. And I thank you, Lord God. Right now, we activate this over this church, over this community, and I thank you right now. Over everybody watching online, Lord God, we just right now activate the power of God at a higher way. And we break the cycles, the Father God, the cycles, the cycles of oppression, the cycles of frustration, the cycles of debt and lack and poverty and sickness, the cycles of lack of influence. We break those cycles right now in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Let's lift him up. Praise God, yeah. Praise God. Father God, we just worship you. We thank you for that right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Yeah, glory to your name. God Almighty, praise God. God Almighty, we worship you. God Almighty, we thank you, Lord God, for activation, glory to God, that we don't look at anything the same way because we know that greater is he that's on the inside of us and that you, it says in Ephesians chapter 3, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Praise God. And we activate that right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. We rejoice right now. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, glory to God. Is there power? Come on. There is power. There's power. There's power. There's power. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. Break every chain. Yes, right. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. There is an army. There's an army. Rising. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.